Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. For each employee that is hired at Jessup Wealth Management, we record an employee spotlight so clients and followers can get to know them better. We've never done an employee spotlight, so we thought it would be fun to dedicate a podcast to one another so that listeners can get to know us better, both professionally and personally. In this episode, myself, Matthew Jessup, will be interviewing my business partner and CIO of Jessup Wealth Management, the one and only Mark McEvely, with a round of 20 questions. Some of these questions are serious, others are plain fun. So welcome, Mark. Thanks, Uh, tables have turned uh, because uh, I know that I already interviewed uh, you on this and that was fun for me, but we'll see if it's gonna be fun uh, sitting on the other end of the mic here. I am a kid in a candy store right now, (laughs) my friend. So let's just dig in, you ready? Question number one. Who is your idol and what qualifies, I'm sorry, what qualities do you love about that person? Yeah, so this is, uh, I think this is an easy one for me. Um, It would be my dad. Um, So my dad is, and you know my dad, Jerry. uh, I love Jerry. Just hardworking individual, puts his head down, gets the work done that he needs to get done, provides for his family. Um, did a phenomenal job, you know, raising me and my, my two brothers and just a really good family man. And he instilled in me, you know, how important number one family is and, you know, that you need to work your butt off to get where you want to be in life. And I think that I've, I've taken that from him and, and implemented it in my own life and just hope that, you know, one day when Kenzie and I decide to, to have a family, I could be uh, as good a dad as he was. Uh, phenomenally said jerry's always has words of wisdom phenomenal person you're you're very blessed my friend i am uh number two describe your perfect day who my perfect day you could probably answer this one for me i could (laughs) um my perfect day would probably be uh getting up early in the morning um having a cup of coffee um doing some stock research on the markets and that type of thing then about you know, eight, nine o'clock, get out to the golf course, play around the golf, um, grab a drink with, with my buddies and, uh, and just relax for the rest of the day. That um, sounds perfect to I'm, me. I don't like to, uh, you know, when I'm on the weekends and stuff or when we're on vacation, I like to, um, kind of just hang out and just not, uh, you know, be traveling all over the place and that type of thing. So, uh, a lot of relaxation, but definitely um, would be stock research in the morning, golf mid-morning, and then hang out with buddies in the afternoon. Maybe a steakhouse in the evening? Yeah, and steakhouse in the evening. That Yeah, steakhouse and a martini. It would round the day out. It would. It would. I like that. Number three, what's your favorite form of exercise? Favorite form of exercise? Um, right now, probably the Peloton. So uh, Peloton bike, Peloton tread. I'm a big um, tread boot camp guy where you're on the treadmill doing treadmill doing running stuff for a little bit and then you get off and do dumbbell stuff. Um, so I would say right now uh, and the two instructors I'm into is Je- uh, Jess Sims right now and Adrian Williams are my two go to's on the Peloton bike and tread. All right. Yeah. Number four. What is the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to you? 
Hey, you got you got a good one out of me, by the way. Oh man, the tables have turned. Ah, the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to me. There's a lot of them. Just trying to think of the most em- embarrassing one. Let's do a work one. Think of something work wise. Work wise, what's the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to me? Hmm. You want to come back to it? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Well, let it simmer. Yeah, let, I've got some I'll other stuff. Let that one simmer, and yeah, I'll come back to it. <laughs> this is going to be a doozy for you. What does retirement look like for you? Wow, what does retirement look like for me? Um, you know, it's hard to envision myself, and I think this is the same for a lot of people, not working. Um, so I think that I'll always be doing something, whether that's more of a, a passive role in our industry or our, our company, or if it's an active role, a limited active role. But um, I, you know, eventually would love to be able to, you know, um, hang out with my kids as much as possible and help them in life as much as I can going through college and, you know, watching them grow up and, 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 and get into the workforce. Um, and, you know, obviously I mentioned earlier, but golf consistently would be a part of that, uh, somewhere where I can go visit for six months of the year in warmth down South. Yep. Um, I think that's definitely on the bucket list. Um, but yeah, just uh, kind of enjoying life with with Kenzie and our future family, I think, and um, just having the autonomy to be able to go and travel a- across the country and into different areas of the world to try some different experiences and try some things that I didn't get the chance to when I was when I was working because it just wasn't possible at that point. So I want to do definitely do a lot of travel and just get out of my comfort zone. I think in in retirement. Well put. You and I are very similar. Yeah. I love it. Number six, what is your all-time favorite memory? All-time favorite memory. Um, I think it would be my wedding. Um, So I got married in November of 2020, which was when the, the second wave of COVID was hitting the U.S. pretty hard. And we were supposed to have... I think it was like 270 people at our wedding and it only ended up being like 55 ish. Um, So that was a challenge leading up to it, just dealing with all the different regulations that were going on. Um, But ended out being an awesome day, you know, it was Um, perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. So, you know, at that time, you know, New York still had very, very heavy quarantine rules. So the only people that came from New York were my parents, um, Al, my best friend from high school, and then um, two family friends. And then, you know, my aunts and uncles weren't able to come. So, you know, it was a very small group, but we made the best day out of it, didn't we? It was a wonderful day. Yeah, we get, got to go on UD's campus and, and party with some of the kids in, in the ghetto there. And that's for people who aren't familiar with University of Dayton. That's just the student, student housing, housing on area. campus. So yep. not the not the actual ghetto. Um, but it was fun to go to Kenzie's old house and then my old house and just, you know, party and celebrate so there. Neat to that, see was, that. that was cool. So, um, yeah, that, that's one day that will be a good story for the kids and grandkids. Absolutely. The, the reception at the Art Institute was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, it was great. We had a really good time. A little after party at Dayton Marriott. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I had a good time with Jerry, by the way. Yeah. Thinking of Jerry again. Yeah. Actually, okay. So <laughs> most embarrassing 
moment. It's not a not a work moment, but it's up there for me is that uh, we actually, um, to put it lightly, were asked to leave uh, our wedding reception a little early. Yeah, that's true. That <laughs> is true. Because people weren't following uh, COVID guidelines so to a T. Take this in for a second. You were told to leave your own wedding reception. Yes. So, uh, layman's terms, we were kicked out of our own wedding reception. <laughs> Another way to say it. A little more direct. So, and it's it's hard, though. When you have a wedding with, like, and I mean, when we had that small amount of people, it was all, like, the closest people. It's you your know, wedding all of party. Our close friends, right? So, you know, at a wedding, you know, people are just drawn to go dance and interact with people. And during They wanted COVID, you to dance by your chair. Right. Exactly. So, um, so... Yeah, I would say getting kicked out of out of your own wedding was pretty that embarrassing. Has to be, that has yeah. to be there. Well played. Um, here we go. Number seven. When have you felt the proudest? Oh, man. When have I felt the proudest? Um, I'm going to do uh, two different ones. Um, take as many as you want. One is personal, which was... Um, Again, at my wedding, it was uh, my my twin brother, Matt, his best man speech was was really good. And I think it just made me realize how lucky I am to be a twin um, because some people some people are, are only child and, and don't have that relationship with another sibling. And, you know, I mean, me and Matt have been obviously best friends since we came out of my mom's belly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our little brother, Ryan, um, you know, six years younger than us. So I think the proudest I've, I've been was on my wedding day, just realizing how special it is to have that close of, of relationship with my two brothers um, and just proud to be a part of my family. Um, you know, it was it was great having, you know, my parents there and obviously wish the grandparents could be there, too. But I was pretty proud after after Ryan gave his speech at the rehearsal dinner and, and my dad gave his speech at the rehearsal dinner. My mom gave a speech at the actual wedding reception. And, and my brother, obviously, is the best man, Matt. So that was the personal side. Um, the non-personal side, I'll go work side, is when, you know, we, you know, went into business together formally you know you uh you you took a shot on me when i was pretty young and uh, gave me the opportunity to come in and and kick some butt or try to and help grow the business and um you know that's something that'll stick with me forever i love that thank you now it's worked out so well it has i couldn't envision it being any other way i know i know i I can't and the funny thing is that if people don't know um when i was coming out of college um the the summer before my senior year at ud i was working for charles schwab out in in phoenix arizona and you know at the end of my senior year um at dayton you know you gave me a job offer and i had a job offer from schwab Mm -hmm. and you know i was talking with my friends about it and obviously everyone was like oh you want to live in scottsdale arizona don't you i mean who wouldn't want to live out there they're like do you really want to live in dayton ohio um, and I think I surprised everyone when I made the decision to stay in Dayton and, and join you and the team here. And um, it was the, the, the best decision I ever made. Um, you know, I'm just one of those people that likes the smaller firm, uh, very close with their coworkers, family style relationship. Um, you know, so this I thought made sense for me. And I am so glad that I did it because, like you said, I couldn't envision it being any other way. It's very special what we have going on here. Yeah, I truly, do. truly believe that. Thank you. 
Um, let's see here. What is the one thing most people do not know about Mark McEvely? One thing that most people don't know about me. I think most people know that I'm a twin, so I think that would be that would be a cop out. They know you like golfing. No, I like golfing. Um, I um, maybe one thing people at least in the workspace or people in Ohio don't know about me was I was a pretty avid hockey player growing up. I think that is something people won't know. Um, so growing up in Rochester, New York, upstate New York, um, about hour and a half from the Canadian border, hockey was huge. And, you know, ever since I was little, I was playing hockey and I was a goalie. Um, so it was kind of funny how I, I ended up getting to be a goalie because this goes back to when I was playing soccer when I was like five years old, right? Everyone plays soccer like when they're little growing up. It's just like a rite of passage, I feel like. Yep. And at that time, uh, I was a little chubbier and a little less athletic. So I wanted to be a goalie because you didn't really have to move that much. <laughs> you could just stand in that. And uh, I think that was in my mind when we started skating and playing hockey. But I realized quickly that that wasn't the case uh, with with playing goalie. Um, but, yeah, just you know, played all throughout high school and, um, you know, didn't play after high school and wanted to go to college and just enjoy college, which I was I was glad that I did. But um, I definitely miss playing and being on the ice. I haven't been on the ice in probably man, five or six years, I want to say. So I'm spelling a team outing coming up here. Yeah, maybe this winter go go uh, skating at a rink somewhere. That would be fun. The other observation is when you and I travel and we talk about the high school you went to, a lot of people know this high school. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people know Fairport High School. It's a pretty big high school. So um, I think when we graduated, we had about 650 kids in my class, I want to say. Um, whereas Kenzie, my wife, uh, graduated um, from Ada up near the Lima area, and she had about thirty-five or forty kids in her in her class. So talk about a one eighty. Yeah, yeah. So it was a big high school. It was great public school. Um, you know, made a lot of my best friends from high school. You know, going to Fairport. So that's great. Yeah, I think that is solid. Yeah, most people don't know that about. Yeah, you. and it was fun. The high school sports was awesome that you know you have a friday night game at seven o'clock and the whole school's there rooting you on against you know against one of your rivals and that type of thing super cool yeah it was great so uh here's a zinger for you number nine what golf course is on the top of your bucket list Mm. i'm gonna cheat here because i have a list on my phone (laughs) i you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna allow you to give three but you have to tell me what number one is okay okay Wow, this is tough, Matthew. I knew this is gonna be great. Oh man. Um number one on my list right now is probably Bandon Dunes out in Oregon. Okay. Um, that's one that they have a a bunch of courses out there that, you know, that you can go play. Um, that's like a guy's golf trip. If you want to do a golf trip, that's gotta be at like the top of the list. Got it. Um, number two, uh, is actually, I'll say Royal St. George's because that's where they're playing the, the British open, um, this, this year, but I'd love to go over to like Ireland and Scotland and just go play like St. Andrews and Royal St. George's and all the other big courses out there. Yeah. The old links. And then number three, 
I would say is probably um, Concession down in Bradenton, Florida. So they played there earlier this year. I think that's where they had the – was it the players this year? No, it wasn't the players. It was some other tournament that they had, but I just remember watching it on TV and being like, wow, we got to go down there and play. So, um, So I would say Concession down in Florida is number three. I love it. Yep. I can't believe I got you to pin down three. I know. I know. I, I think about that often, actually. So it's like you asking me, what's your top three wines? <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. It's hard to do. It's very hard, it's hard to, do. to do. All right. Let's keep switching gears. Why did you decide to get into finance? Um, I was always in college interested in the markets and I always was just something that intrigued me, but it was also something that I never understood. And I wanted to get to the point where I understood that fully and how markets work and, you know, how you buy stocks and how you sell stocks. Cause I always had this interest in trying to figure out different ways of making income. Right. Um, so I was really interested in, you know, at that point and reading, you know, Bloomberg and the wall street journal and that, and those type of publications back in college. And then the, the first stock that I ever bought was Southwest Airlines, actually. <laughs> and the reason why I did it, which is funny now because I tell people not to do this on this podcast, was one of my roommates, Matt Fazio, uh, also was invested in South Airlines stock. And he made me this pitch that I was like, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm in, boom, buy Southwest. And I think I did sell it at a gain. I think I it was like uh, you know over a couple of years, forty or fifty percent gain. I think in Southwest, and that was the first and last time that I bought bought uh, Southwest Airlines. Or Have really, you bought an airline since? No, or any airline for that matter. No, bought in debt of an airline before. We have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Delta. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no equities in airlines anymore. And these are not a advocate for or against any nope. sector or uh, bond of an airline, but I find it hard to believe I'll do that either. <laughs> um, number 11, if you could tell your younger self anything, what would it be? Man, um, I think it would be that you're not going to understand everything you're you think you should, right? So I think we have this warped misconception, you know, when we're going into the work world that, you know, we need to understand 100% of the things that we're doing and we need to be able to answer 100% of the questions that we get asked. And that's just not realistic, right? Um, so I think you just need to prepare yourself to work hard to try to understand as much as you can and, you know, soak up everything as a sponge. Um, but also be realistic with yourself and it's okay that if you get a question you don't know instead of lying and try to bs your way out of it just tell the person you're going to get back to them with the information there's no shame in that great advice um and the other thing is is don't be afraid to make mistakes because the, the mistakes that i've made um you know before entering the workforce and in the workforce some of my my biggest learning opportunities right that's where you got to look at it yeah so i, I would say those two things you know, looking back on it, because I think I'd be a lot less stressed if I did it that way. I would agree. Number 12, what's your biggest fear? Wow. I know that's a, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Biggest fear. Um, 
I think my biggest fear is not being able to help the people that have gotten to me where I am today. And I think one of the things that I try to focus on in, in my life is just being open, ready, and prepared to help anybody that has, you know, been beneficial to me or helped me in my life, right? So I always want to be able to give back to the people that mean the most to me. And I always want to be in a position to do that. And my fear is that that I won't be if, if I'm asked to step in and help someone with something. Um, so I think about that, I think, more than I, I should. Um, just, you know, making sure everything's right from a personal standpoint, a work standpoint, a financial standpoint, to be able to do those things. Because I don't like to let people down. So that's, you know, to, to say it in, in one simple phrase is I'm afraid of letting others down and I never want to do that. Um, so I think that would, that would be it. I know you well enough where I could, that's spot on, (laughs) spot on. All right. If you had to describe yourself in only three words, three words only, what would you choose? Mm. Um, Jenna, you should have had me write down the three he's about to say. Yeah. Uh, I would say, uh, loyal is number one. Um, caring, close, caring, not not the word I use, but very close. Yes. Caring or loving Loving. one of the, yeah. Um, and I would say, uh, just kind of (laughs) quirky. Um, I think, uh, I don't know if people knew this about me or not, but you know, before I got a lot of like the work experience, it wasn't that I was antisocial, but I was just kind of like awkward at sometimes. And I think I still am a little bit. Um, so, uh, and I think that the team at Jessup here will attest to that. <laughs> I don't see it that um, way. A little, personally. A, little, a little quirky, but yeah. in a fun way. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so caring, loyal and, and a little quirky. Great combo, buddy. Yeah. Great combo. If you hadn't gone into finance, what do you think you would have done instead oh that's a really tough one i would say probably something in like the health and wellness space you know i don't know if that's like a like a life coach thing or like a you know you know opening a gym or that type of thing or you know personal training or anything like that i could see that about you yeah, because that's always been a really big part of my life. Um, and, you know, like we talk about, it's, you know, it's how I get my day started every morning. And I just don't feel like I'm in the right headspace unless I get that workout in in the morning and clear my head for the morning ready to start the day. Um, so I would say, yeah, probably something to do with with health and wellness, because that's a, a still a pretty big part of my life. Or, well, even, even before that, um, professional golfer, but I don't think that's realistic. <laughs> <laughs> that would I, that would be nice. Yeah, I'd be carry great. your bag for you. Yeah, be my caddy. You better That'd believe be fun. I would. Maybe maybe if uh, this whole finance thing doesn't work out, we can try to do that. Can you imagine like you and me getting on a pro am together? <laughs> That'd be fun. Might That'd be entertaining. They could, they could make a lot of money off that. That'd be great. That'd be great. Here we go. If you were an animal, what would you be and why? Hmm. Silverback gorilla. I love it. <laughs> just because they're 
they're fierce and big and scary, but at the same time, like you see them like take care of their family, take care of their family, interacting with their kids and kind of just hanging out and being uh, relaxed at some point. So they have like uh, good balance. They can switch back and forth between that. They can be as mean as they possibly have to be. Um, but at the same time, I feel like at some points they're gentle and kind. But yeah, silverback gorilla. I love that. If you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Medium rare ribeye steak. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> I could have answered that. Uh, <laughs> Number 17. If you could be a character in any book, who would you be? Any good reads lately? Hmm. <coughs> a character in any book. Yeah. Um... One that I read recently was, I believe it's called Five Presidents by Clint Hill. Okay. And Clint Hill was a Secret Service agent for Five Presidents. Um, so it was Eisenhower, Nixon, Johnson. <coughs> Maybe, no, I don't think it was Reagan. I'm going to embarrass myself here. because Nixon. The, Nixon, Johnson, Eisenhower. Carter. Carter. Reagan. And no, not Reagan, uh JFK. Okay, so he went JFK. before. Yep. Okay. JFK. Um and just the stories that he had were just so incredible from being a, a Secret Service agent. So he was a Secret Service agent on on Jackie Kennedy's detail and he was there when, you know, um JFK got assassinated and all that stuff. But just to listen to him tell stories back when like Eisenhower was president, for example, you know, they'd be when they were in foreign countries and, and in the U.S., they'd be riding around in open top cars and the security was really lax. So you can reach out and touch them. And it's just interesting because I wasn't alive back then to compare that to what I know about presidents and, and people in power is the cert that, you know, the protection is and the security is, you know, out of this world. Yeah. I mean, um, you and I went to a, um, a speech by uh, Bush. Yeah, yeah, and, and at a the conference. And he was, uh, of he was out of office. That they had. Man, the amount of secret service there was immense. Yeah, yeah. And I've always had this um, curiosity about U.S. presidents. So I like to read books about, about presidents. But this was probably the best one that I read just because of the different insights and intricacies that go into planning for you know, president traveling and, and protecting the president and their family and that type of thing. So that was really good. Um, and I actually, I heard about it from, I, I heard Mike Rowe, uh, he was the dirty jobs guy. I yeah, think yeah, yeah. he was, it was on Facebook or he was doing an interview and he said he was at a bar one time and this guy came up to the bar and he just started chatting with him. And this guy was, was Clint Hill. And so he looked him up and saw he was a secret service agent and wrote a book and everything. So that's how I found out about it. But yeah, I love good book. That. Yeah. So I, I would probably, probably be Clint Hill beyond the Secret Service detail for a couple different presidents. I think you could make a good president. You think so? I think you'd make a very good president. Oh, man. I don't think I want the job. I'm not saying that you do. Yeah. I just think you'd be good at it. Yeah, maybe. We'll see someday. Maybe this is prefacing something that happens in 20 years. I know a good Treasury Secretary. <laughs> Would you be rather be the Treasury Secretary or VP? Or Chief oh, of Staff? I'd love to be your VP. I would do any of that. Yeah. Or chief of staff, because then we can just hang out all the time. I'm in. 
All right, down the road, I'll promise one of the three positions. Done. I'll take whatever you give me, buddy. I don't know if that's considered bribery or not, but it's not bribery. <laughs> you're just you're saying, hey, I I trust this. This person. is who my cabinet's gonna be when I'm elected to presidency. Yeah, yeah. I didn't pay you for anything. <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve? Um, my biggest pet peeve. I have two of them, and they might be weird for people. Number one is when people are chewing obnoxiously loud it just like <laughs> ekes me out like my appetite goes away can't eat anymore and i'm like why why are you doing that to me um so that's number one number two is like hair in the sink so you know now that i'm married and you know our me and my wife kenzie share uh you know uh, a bathroom we each have our own sink and for some reason, when I look down in the sink and there's like strands of Kenzie's hair, I start to get like queasy, start to get hot. <laughs> don't like it. I'm like, feel like I'm going to pass out. I don't know what it is because it's really not that gross. It's just hair, but it doesn't sit well with me. I love so it. So those are so Kenzie, if you're listening, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. I would have guessed another one, by the way. Is it maybe there's one I'm not thinking of being late, being late. Yes, that's another one. I hate when people are late. I think this is something I got from my dad, too. So me and my twin brother, <laughs> I'm an early riser, like to go to bed early. He's complete opposite. He's a night owl, likes to sleep in. And um, and when we were younger, he was late to everything. And it would make me so mad. I remember one time, and, he, and he's like my mom in this fashion, right? And I'm like, I'm like my dad. Uh, one time it was... I think it was Mother's Day, which makes this even worse. Oh, this, no. this, yeah, caused some tension. Wait till Matt this thing. Um, so me and my dad were ready for church in the car, and church started in like five minutes, and it's like a fifteen-minute drive. And my mom and Matt still weren't. So my dad's like, "Okay, we're leaving." So Jerry, <laughs> me and Jerry left for church. Mom and Matt had to drive separately. I could see you and me down the road doing that. Yes, like yes. we're going. Yeah, we're going. And, um, and so we got to church, sat down and, uh, my, my brother and my mom walk in 15, 20 minutes later, late. And, you know, my dad's waving down my mom and she just gives him the death stare Ooh. and they went and sat, sat on the opposite side I of the church. I could totally that day. see Sue do that. <laughs> so Sue was not happy, not happy, but Hey, it, church starts at noon. You're there at 1150. Got to get a seat, get settled in. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended um but yeah so i would say yeah the other one for me is is being late i i hate being late that's so. what that would have been my guess yeah yeah two more if you could have a superpower what would it be hmm. if i could have a superpower what would it be um it wouldn't be, I don't think it would be like being able to predict what happens next because I think we had this conversation on the podcast I interviewed you. Like, I don't I don't want to know what's in my future. I just kind of want to let it happen because I feel like that would just kill all the excitement. Um, but if I had a superpower, um, trying to think of like all like the Marvel characters to see what I would. I'm horrible with that type of stuff. <laughs> Um, maybe like read someone else's brain and see what that they're thinking. So if you're just like looking at someone and <laughs> you know, their 
thinking about you or talking about you. I like that. That's a good to one. To see if they have, if they're, you know, positive or negative about you. My oldest son thinks you can bench lift 400 pounds. Yeah, that uh, unfortunately has never been the case, but I appreciate Micah for thinking. No, that Rowan, I can. Rowan said that. Oh, Rowan. Rowan oh, yeah, that. it was Rowan. That's right. That's right. Rowan was, said that. Yeah. So um, he randomly looked at me and he's like, hey, can Uncle Mark, can he do 200 <laughs> on each side? So I'm like a total of 400. He's like, yeah, let's ask him. Yeah. Nope. I uh, never had. And I don't think I ever, I ever will be able to do that. So I'm sorry to let Rowan down, but um Maybe we can get him to do it someday. Maybe, maybe so. Yeah, maybe Start so. Getting him in the gym. Uh, number twenty. If you were given one million dollars of free slash fun money and you could not invest it or use it responsibly in any way, what would you do with that money? It's okay. your final question. So that takes the that takes like donation and everything out. You got to be so completely irresponsible. I gotta say, I gotta spend it. You gotta spend it, and you have to unwisely. <laughs> unwisely oh my gosh there's so much i have an idea for you (laughs) i think i know i know what you would have for me um i would probably with a million dollars um take close family close friends on a trip on like a you know just rent like a Boeing 737 or like a Dreamliner. Perfect. Um, and just go island hop for a month, maybe. That sounds great. Come on, I, I don't know if you know, a million dollars would, would, would last that long at that point. but Might last us that many people. Might last us two two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Island hop for a week on like a on a 737 Dreamliner or something like that. That'd yeah. be pretty fun. I've got two other ideas for you. Let's hear it. Buy a vineyard. Oh, yeah. That would be... Or... We sit there and we go to really, really exclusive golf clubs and we get just some memberships. Yeah, those would be initiation time. Yeah. Augusta, maybe. That was another one on my list. I don't know why I didn't say Augusta for golf. That's definitely on the list. Number three. I think think that's a that's a given. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I would say I would say that those are up there, too, for sure. Well, Mr. McEvely, thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. Tables have turned. I got to interview my best friend and business partner. So uh, I hope everyone uh, got to know Mark a little bit better during this Jessup Wealth Management Employee Spotlight. And uh, it would be fun to do this again down the road. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, if we do this uh, five or ten years down the road and maybe come up with some different questions. I think it would be fun. All right. All right. Take care, my friend. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. Also, check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealthmanagement.com. There you'll find links to every episode of The Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words questions and topics in the subject line to inquiries at jessupwealthmanagement.com. We'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties, which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. 
Past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor.